Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Welcome to episode 158 of the Elisa and Filter podcast. My name is Elisa and today it is Wednesday, May 2-4, 2023. Today on the show, I'm actually tapping into the other side of my life a little bit, <laughs> which I don't do very often on the podcast. For those of you that are unaware, I'm actually an entrepreneur and founder of two different companies very different ends of the spectrum, but they do come together and work together. It's very interesting. The first, of course, is Elisa Unfiltered Coaching, which I speak about all the time here on the show. And the second is my social media management company where I work with small businesses to grow, storytell, and build a strong strategic online presence. I currently work with 10 small businesses, and over the years, I have learned a lot about marketing how effective marketing can help grow your business and how the digital space is affecting consumerism and our mindset. When I zoom out and see how much the average human is consuming in today's climate, it's no wonder that there's so much disconnection between the mind, body, and soul. Today's marketing landscape is targeting individuals to grab their attention, right? You feel it too, I know it grabbing your attention strategically and actually subconsciously. We aren't even aware. We just all of a sudden wake up out of a one hour scroll session and be like, oh, where'd the time go? What just happened? And these are all designed to have you stay on the apps as long as possible. Why? The answer to that is highly nuanced, but a big driving factor is of course, to make money. This is why today I'm bringing on Hayden Cashin, who is CEO of Cashin Marketing, to chat about how modern marketing is affecting us, how it's affecting our mental and emotional health, how it affects our spending habits, scrolling habits, and how we must take accountability for our choices when it comes to digital distraction. Huh? Right? Yes, he is such an expert. He's actually a paid digital ads expert who is dedicated to drive business results by using unique strategies and tactics that help companies and entrepreneurs reach their specific goals. He absolutely did that with me. We have worked together directly and indirectly and his knowledge, insight and expertise was profoundly helpful in helping me understand the landscape. Someone who's in it every single day. It's even hard for me to navigate everything. So for most people, we just go about our day. We see ads, we buy things, we like things, and the world keeps on turning. Behind the scenes, however, the average person has little to zero understanding of how you are seeing ads, why you're seeing them, how ads are created to hook your attention, how they keep you engaged, and the funnel steps or pathways they lead you down, strategically lead you down. I love this conversation with Hayden so much because not only is he a hardworking CEO and super knowledgeable in this area, he's also focused on daily self-care and mindset habits that give him healthy boundaries in the digital space. 
Like, could you use a healthy boundary or two? Absolutely. I think we all should. And that's why this conversation is so important for everyone to listen to. These boundaries help him stay focused and not succumb to that relentless pull of hustle culture, right? So today's episode is more on the digital marketing side. However, understanding how you are being captured online is incredibly useful to navigate your own personal digital boundaries. So once you listen to this, I think you're going to look at how you scroll in an entirely new way. So without further ado, let's get into today's pod. Here's Hayden Cashin. Okay, Hayden, welcome to the show. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to do it. Yeah, so um, a little background because you and I met, I don't know, several years ago. I want to say like five years ago at Lansdowne somewhere at some place sometime. (laughs) I think it was like that long ago. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a long time ago. It's been a... It's been a pleasure knowing you. (laughs) Same to you. And (laughs) I've worked with you directly and indirectly through my other business, which I don't talk about a lot on the show, my social media business, where I work with small businesses. And I know Pure Life TV hired you for Facebook ads uh, like three years ago. I can't even believe it's been three years, but something like that. Um, you You and I have worked together. And what I really like about you personally and your business and your knowledge and everything, but you break down marketing in such a unique way to make average people understand what's going on. So you take like something that's really complicated and make it very simple and comprehensible. Mm. So I kind of wanted to start the show with something a little bit high level (laughs) with um, digital marketing today. And I want to know how marketing is affecting mental health. Like we're really That's, high level. <laughs> yeah, I know that it's, it's an interesting question. I don't even know if I have a core belief on that. Like I just haven't spent time thinking about it. So I don't even want to take a stance. Yeah. But I, I would almost, my, my mind instantly goes to like, okay, like marketing has been around forever in different capacities Mm -hmm. and has it always affected mental health has it now affected mental health more is it truly the marketing that's affecting the mental health or is it just social media and like high levels of content output in general that's affecting mental health i also think marketing and content can affect mental health positively and negatively um Mm -hmm. so it's 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 one of those questions that's kind of like it's so large and complex that I personally wouldn't even begin to start trying to think about something like that. But um, is there something specifically like within the question that you wanted to get to? Cause it does seem like a massive question that, and I just yeah. don't really feel opinionated on it. So I really like how you mentioned positive and negative. Cause I, I think that it absolutely, there's a massive spectrum. So I'll, I'll clarify. I find that I'm getting hooked on a lot of things in the marketing world that are manipulating me to think that something is a certain way that isn't. So there's a lot of marketing strategy around getting you to buy a product. It's all about sales as opposed to actually helping you. That's number one. And number two, just kind of like in my observations of the last year specifically is 
how marketing has shifted away from look at what I've built for you. Like you need this, you know, look at this amazing product. It does all these things to really targeting specific pain points in people and having like effective marketing isn't necessarily showing the product anymore. It's about connecting to a person's need, like filling the gap between what they think they want and what, what the product is. Yeah. So the question would be like, how is that in, in your experience and how you're working with people, how is that affecting our mindset about what we're, what we're seeing and what we're buying? Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, what, what you're alluding to is the fact that marketing has become able to segment deeper um, much more easily. You know, in the past it was, it was television, it was newspaper, it was radio. And so it was a, you know, you had to appeal to a mass audience to a certain extent, right? Like you could run a commercial in between Seinfeld and get a general demo, but you couldn't detail down to like females interested in hockey that are watching Seinfeld. Boom. Let me get them with this specific piece of content. Now, with that being said, there has always been levels of segmentation as well, where, you know, you might run a localized ad in a certain neighborhood that appeals to a certain demographic that is a high percentage of that neighborhood. Yeah. But we've definitely never seen it on the levels that um, we can see it today. And I would argue that that's just a tool to be used positively or negatively, right? Like if you're selling something that is, you know, potentially a scam or a lie or unhealthy or bad, and you're marketing it to those individuals as the fact that it is not and using the things you know about them to leverage them to be interested into it, that's maybe not good. But at, at the same time, you know, if you have a product that's very specific and maybe could never rat, run on mass media because it just couldn't appeal to a large enough audience to make the investment um, make sense, now you can actually get to that specific consumer with something that's actually going to help them that they would have never known about before. Yes. And so I see the po- the positive side as well. And I think net something that's important to say as well is like if you're going through your social media feed i would argue that you would want to see an ad that's relevant versus an ad that's irrelevant Um, we've all watched television and seen ads that have nothing to do with our needs and it's much more frustrating than watching an ad that has you know some level of relevance and, and is a little bit more interesting and so i once again like questions like this, like I almost stay in the marketing framework and be like, you know what, whatever the lawmakers want to set as the rules, I'll abide by them. But my job is to take the rules and play within them and not, you know, try to dictate the rules. If I, if I wanted to, I'd get into politics and, and things of that nature. And that's kind of like my stance. I, I just almost like don't want to overstep. Like, I don't want to talk about something that I don't fully understand or even have an opinion on, if that makes sense. Yeah, but you, like when we worked together, you had a very strategic look and feel like this is the way you mm. want things to go so people will hear of you course. and yeah, yeah. see you. So that's kind. Of, yeah. that's also tied into that question because if you're not presenting your product in the right way in 2023, mm-hmm. it's going to go, like, it's going to go over people's head. They're going to swipe. They're going to swipe so fast. You, and you might think that you have the best thing ever right and and you put a ton of work into it and you're like this product's amazing and you put it out there and you get crickets and it's like Mm -hmm. so what kind of messaging is effective right now for people 
Yeah. So when we work together, like this is the framework I use with all my clients. It's quite basic. And maybe this is what you're alluding to at the beginning of the podcast is, okay, what is your objective simply? And are you okay if we talk about what we did together? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So your objective was getting people to sign up, right? That you wanted people to go to a page and sign up for what you were hosting. Yeah. Um, So that's number one. What's your goal? Number two is who are you trying to have sign up? What different characteristics about these individuals, right? So um, for you specifically, it was things like people that um, want to find a companion. I, I, I forget exactly, but you know, yeah, it was it single like, women. It was yeah. busy moms. It was, yeah. So I wanted everyone to sign up for yeah. my webinar. Yeah. So I did Facebook exactly. ads. Mm-hmm. And so what your product does is it can solve different problems because your solution can apply to different people in, in ways that can solve their individual problems. So if you're looking for a companion or if you're looking um, to do this as an entrepreneur or something of that nature, like mm-hmm. you have different targets that you want to go after. So number two is like just saying, okay, who are the different archetypes that we want to go after? And then simply put, you just put those two pieces of data, your goal and who you're trying to talk to and create content that does that. And so um, if we want people to sign up who are entrepreneurs we're going to say things that are going to appeal to entrepreneurs in the context of what you're going to do in the class. And if you want to have, um, you know, females that are looking for a companion, we're going to say things that are going to appeal to them that will still make sense in the class. And so that's just simply how to do marketing. And, I, and then we can always get into to deeper level details. But as you alluded to earlier, like I really like to just simply put it that way mm-hmm. um, because that's really the high level thesis. And then we can get into things like, okay, if, you know, we want to create content that's going to appeal to entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, like what are the pain points that they experience? And how can we make that pain point translate to their brain the fastest? Because if they're scrolling, you don't have a lot of time to capture their attention. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you have to do is actually stop them from scrolling. And then the second thing the ad has to do is get them to click. This is what a lot of people make a mistake on. They think the ad has to sell. They think the ad has to communicate everything. The ad doesn't have to do that. The ad's Mm -hmm. job is to stop them from scrolling and get them to click. When they click, they're going to now go to your website or landing page where they can there spend time and learn. But the ad is job is to get the click, not to give all the information. And so some of the things that we do is, you know, if they're, you know, a classic one is like weight loss, right? If they want to um, lose weight, then you'd say something like, you know, want to get your summer body or want to drop 20 pounds or tired of overeating or just something that like is going to emotionally connect with them. But you don't need to go deeper into like, okay, well, here's what we do in our program. X, Y, Z did it. That'll be on the landing page. Right. You have to just say something like, you know, our program has 90% success rate click here to learn more. Boom. And then the next experience is what will sell it. So your digital ad strategy is to get people to click. Cause I see a lot of ads that do explain a lot of things, really long mm-hmm. format ads. And sometimes I watch them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when that, when that happens, what's happening? Why do I keep watching? Is there a formula that, that, and, well, and I, I asked this question though, because I know so many people spend four plus hours on their phone. And I guess what I want to highlight is how sophisticated ads have become to pull you in and keep you hooked 
forever. And, and yes, business is important and yes, marketing is important and e-commerce and, you know, our economic, our world, we need small businesses. We need ads. We need these things to happen, to keep the world moving um, and businesses thriving, especially small business. But what is it? Like, why do you spend four hours on your phone? <laughs> I mean, if we really want to get into it, I think if you look at each individual, mm-hmm. the amount of time they spend doing anything um, that's that's in their personal time is their choice. Yes. It's, they don't feel they have a better alternative, right? So if you're someone who sits there and scrolls for four hours, I would almost tell them to take accountability and be like, is there other uses you want to do with that time? Well, why aren't you doing that? Maybe you need to go try new things. Maybe you need to go to a cooking class or go for a walk or go fishing and and find new hobbies. I think Mm. trying to blame something like a cell phone as your problem is just not taking accountability. And if you're not an accountable person, you're going to have a lot of problems in life. And so I start with accountability because there's also plenty of people that are not addicted to their phones. Mm -hmm. And so in my opinion, what's the difference is, is people that have made the decision to not be addicted and to do other stuff. So I don't think trying to blame technology is healthy because I think you just sit there and don't do anything. Like you just continue to fall to it. I hear you when you say that, but do you not agree and at some level that the level of sophistication in ads and targeting ads and sophistication and tactic in social media reels that hook your attention is maybe not the problem, but one of the things that is keeping people interested, keeping their attention on their phone. It is. It's it's their objective. Mm. And that's why you have to take accountability. Mm. Um, because that's like, you can't tell them to not make good content. <laughs> like what, what's the alternative, right? You have to just focus on yourself. You can't change the external. You have to focus on the internal. Mm. Um, and once again, if it becomes a true problem where humans are so addicted, they can never get off their phones, all of us, then you know, I would hope the government would put in regulations around these things um, to make sure that society can function. But I think while you can look outside and see many people that are not addicted to their phones and and some that are, yeah. um, you have to have the argument that maybe it's not the tech, maybe it's the individual. And that's how I see it. And truthfully, like it's only going to get way, way better at hooking you through AI. Like AI yes. is going to do all the work of understanding everyone on an individual basis, in my opinion, in real time, in the sense of like, if you just watched you know, a video about makeup, maybe the ad you now see for like, I don't know, a restaurant is going to feature some sort of AI generated makeup in real time because they saw you just spent four minutes watching makeup and therefore you're in that psychological state. Oh, and so, no. I mean, if, if you're concerned about where it's at now, I think that was just the warm up. Oh, I, I am concerned a little bit. I was like, just for uh, my own post, I mean, I talk about media and social media a lot. I'm it's it's a big, I have a big stance on mainstream media and social media. But I and I'm also a social media marketer. I'm also a social media manager. So yeah. like, it's a yeah. really interesting thing. Like, what the psychological tools I use to get people to click just on regular posts are very strategic, and I see yep. it. I see that's why certain. That's why certain things 
go viral or certain certain things do better and other things don't. Like I definitely have a mix on my own personal page. So most people that listen to this podcast follow me on social media. Uh, yep. Not everybody does, but most people do. And so you can see. If you're not following, you should follow right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At Elisa Curry Lotz. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I, AI is part of what I wanted to talk to you about today. Cool. For sure. But I just like, I find it so appealing right now. Certain ads, like how, can you explain how ads are targeted? Because I don't think people really get it. Like, why yeah. do I see what I see? Cool. So if you, uh, I'll explain it, but also if you want to go see it for yourself, if you just go to any ad, scroll on Facebook, Instagram, um, it may be different on different platforms, but I assume you can find this on every platform, but definitely on Facebook and Instagram. If you click like the three dots in the corner of an ad, you can click, why am I seeing this ad? Um and then you just have to click a thing will come up and then you have to click one more thing that says something along the lines of like, how am I categorized or, or something like that. And then it okay. literally has a whole sheet where it breaks down by like, um, like personal entertainment, business, pets, like all the top categories. And you can click and see all the things you're categorized under. Really? Um, and, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, you may be able to delete things too. Um, because the actually truthfully the problem with like Facebook and Instagram, from what I understand is they don't delete data. So the platform has been around for like over a decade. So things you may have done seven years ago, you're still categorized under. So I was into mm -hmm. skateboarding, like what, maybe like eight years ago. And so I may be categorized as a skateboarding enthusiast when I haven't stepped on a board in over five years, six years. Right. So interesting. It may not be that accurate, to be honest. That's why you still see ads that don't appeal to you. But essentially, the way it categorizes you is just what you engage with. So if you're liking a certain post, they can you know scan the post and understand what it's about and slot you into that category. If you're watching a video for over a certain period of time, that's about a category. They'll just slot you in. So it's really not like rocket science. It's pretty basic. And then there's just all these groups of like, okay, if I'm an advertiser, I can select, I want to target people interested in Nike shoes or target people interested in, you know, hamburgers or, and mm. then that's like the interest category. And then obviously you can like narrow it to like people in Canada that are, and obviously Facebook has that data. And then you put in like um, your birthday. So they know your age, you put in your gender, um, you put in your relationship status. Like you, you manually put that in yourself. You put in where you went to school, when you graduated, and so all that data you actually just like give to Facebook, you, you wrote it yourself. Um, and that's the core ways of targeting. There's, there's a bit more detail, but it's kind of along the same lines. It just studies what you do and categorizes you. Fascinating. And then when you curate ads, you select different categories and then those ads and geo locations, geo tags, and then those ads yeah. get served. The that's it. The core ones is like location. Um, age gender and interest for, for an advertiser from targeting like there, there's a couple more but like the core things are those four and then when you and i worked together we set out a bunch of ads like 20 ads and then we figured out which ones were working the best and then we retargeted yeah. Yeah. so it's like it's a lot cool, that like, goes on behind the scenes that people don't really understand that's what i mean yeah well this is the thing is like when i don't i would imagine when a lot of people think of facebook ads if they've ever had a business page they see the boost button 
and a lot of people may have clicked the boost button. And what the boost button is, is basically Facebook ads for anyone. So they make it so simple. They limit like you to like 5% of the tool so that you can just select the location, the age and interest or two that they also limit the interest. You can't select any that you could in the back end. Um, And so people think of the boost button, but like the boost button is almost like if you look at like a car dashboard, whereas the back end of Facebook is like, if you look at an airplane dashboard, like a right. million more tools right is how i would is how i would describe it i know i like at, at first i i see that boost button and i'm just like i want to boost yeah. a post but i know that that's not really going to convert very well do you think boosting actually converts uh, it depends what you consider convert the, the main problem with boosting is that the most effective way to run facebook ads is if you track your actual goal so if you want to boost a post uh, to my knowledge, you can only select like low level goals in the sense of like oh, okay. getting, getting a like, um, or getting a, a click to the website. But if you go in the back end, you can then code your website and actually track say a sale. And so you can tell Facebook, I don't just want to click, I want to sale. So in the boost functionality, that's not an option. And so it's just not able to be as effective as if you could select, I want to sale for instance. That, that's also something really interesting that as an entrepreneur myself, I had no idea. So when I launched my coaching business like three years ago online, I didn't realize like the pixels and how to like track things and like, yeah. and I didn't realize that when you click a link, anyone's link, they can literally see what you did, where you went, how you went there. Like there's so, I, that's what I mean about sophisticated, like tech is so sophisticated that, mm. that the person like me, the entrepreneur can take that data of where you navigated, where you paused, where you wanted, like when, at what point you wanted to X out of it. Like at what point you got bored or uninterested. And then I can use that to retarget you or remarket to you. And there's a couple, there's a couple things to that though. Like number one is as an, as the marketer, you don't know anyone. It's all basically if I want to target people that went to my website, I tell Facebook, okay, because I'll, I'll connect Facebook to my website so it will have the data going back and forth. Okay. And I'll tell Facebook, I'll go, if anyone went to my website, retarget them. But I don't, it, Facebook doesn't go, okay, Elisa went to your website. Okay, Mark right. went to your website. Like you'll yeah. never see any of that stuff. It's just automatically done when you just set up that functionality. And so there's no like, privacy in the sense of as a marketer i don't know anyone that's doing anything specifically it's just a group and i see like it's 1200 people or 10,000 people in this group that's all i know and so that's how that works the other thing is if the group's too small under a thousand people i believe it won't run for privacy reasons so if you have a website and you know only three people have gone and you know who those three people are, then you can target those three. It won't happen. You have right. to have at least a thousand people right. for it to be able. So there's that privacy feature as well. And then also, um, you know, years ago, Apple introduced the prompt, the iOS prompt, where it's like allow, well, ask app not to track. Yeah. That type of stuff. Ask website not to track. Um, so if you opt out of that, what a lot of people don't realize is what that actually means is um, Apple will only send back one event. So what that means is essentially if you went to my website and you added to cart a product 
you initiated the checkout, you added your payment info, you completed the purchase, you watched a video, you did a million different things. In the past, all that would be sent back. Now, as a marketer, I basically set up the events I care about, but I have to organize them in priority. And what that means is whichever event you do that is highest priority will be sent back. Nothing else will be sent back, which is is very bizarre because it still yeah. allows me to know what I care about, but I lose 90% of data, which basically makes Facebook's job a lot harder to optimize yeah. campaigns. So yeah. in my opinion, Apple did that as an attack on Facebook and you actually saw it when you saw the revenue numbers at the end of the year. Yeah, but they positioned it as like we care about your privacy, but the top event is still sent back. So, how much do they really care about your privacy? I'm not sure. Uh, it's so fascinating to like really yeah. see it in the back end too, because the normal person, the average person, doesn't like. I know we, I know certain people think that they think that yeah, something's happening, but they don't realize how how strategic and tactical it all is in the big picture uh, and how you're getting I, targeted ads. Now quickly, I just want to flip it as well. Yeah. To like, I like to look at both sides. I'm, I'm highly opinionated about this stuff. I actually okay. just like to almost watch it play out and just follow the rules and live life like that. I, I, I feel like it's so complex that I don't even have the desire to have a strong opinion because I feel like there's just so much to understand that to be strongly opinionated, you're kind of like, being um almost like the more you know the the more you realize you don't know type of yes, thing yes absolutely and so anyway but on the flip side i do like to also say these apps are completely free and they they create so much value for us as individuals that's why we go on them we we're not being forced to go on them we choose to go on them because we find entertainment we find connection we yes. find in, information like we choose to go on these apps and they are free for us. We don't pay a monthly subscription. And so to complain about a free thing that's given to us that helps us so much because they want to monetize by running an ad, I think we also have to once again take accountability of like, you know, it's you can't sit here and cry when when you're, you know, beggars can't be choosers in a certain capacity. Like yeah, you're no, it's really good. Free. Um, and so I like to just look at both sides. Yeah, it's so fascinating to just zoom out a little bit and and do that. It's so good. There's two things I want to talk to you about. One of them is the AI situation. Mm. Like, are, do you have an opinion on AI? Where AI is going? How it's going to affect yeah. us? I don't have a strong opinion because it's so early. Like, I don't even. I don't think anyone could completely understand what's going to happen, even if you're in AI every single yeah. day. Yeah, it's just evolving. I think the thing everyone's surprised about is how fast it's evolving. Like it's really showed up and made itself known like overnight. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really going to take mundane tasks that are just tedious out of the equation and going to allow for humans to focus on human things that are much more important and much, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, on a simplest form, it's like, is it really a good use of time for a human to go in an Excel spreadsheet and spend hours trying to figure out how to look at the data to find the insight? Is that really a good use of time when like what you're looking for is the insight? If you could just connect that sheet to a thing that goes, oh, here's the insight. Well, now you just can tell, take those four hours and move forward on the insight. Yeah. And so 
I think AI is just going to make things so much more efficient. Like for instance, like running ads, um, a lot of the ad creative is going to be stuff that you can just generate in real time. So it's like, okay, we run 10 ads and you see that this ad works the best. Okay. AI take this ad and run 10 different variations of it. And it will just generate it 10 different variations. Boom. And like, it'll just save so much time. It'll, it'll reduce the cost in a lot of places, make the world a lot more efficient. Um, and I just think that creates just more opportunities for individuals to do different stuff because a lot of the menial tasks will be completed. They won't have to spend time on them. They can focus on other things. That's my positive output. Yeah. Outlook, sorry. I know. I actually like when AI first started to come out and I like got chat GPT and I was like using it for different things like caption writing. Like I'm using it. It's helping me write an application for something right now and I was like this is amazing me and my friend Michelle are just like oh my god we just like love it it just it absolutely saves time especially if you prompt it in the right way and you like it's basically like taking my ideas and putting them into something that's quick and easy I also enjoy the process of writing I do agree I do think that the process of learning and doing things like expel Excel spreadsheets and being accountable for what you have in there also in terms of like, it, it, there's two sides to everything. I think that learning things like people, I'm going to give an example of school. They stopped teaching cursive writing mm. in school and they've now reintroduced it because mm. I think it was like a decade. Did you learn cursive? Well, like you're a little bit younger than me. You must I think have. they tried. They tried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they never learned it, but they tried to teach me. Well, you could read someone's cursive writing. Am I of correct? Course, yeah. 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 Well, that's what's happening. Kids that are like teenagers can't read cursive. And <laughs> and it's and it's just like, oops, we we thought the world was gonna go digital and we need these like analog skills just for right. human development. So I'm 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 wondering how AI is gonna play a part in that. Like, yes, digital. I'm all about the digital everything and the analog as well if you want to call it that I don't know <laughs> so you were saying how an AI can just take someone's ad and cut it up is that in place right now it's being beta tested definitely on Facebook in the US where um, you can basically be like hey I want a woman riding a bike with a monkey on her back and city buildings in the background and it will just whip it up for you and maybe give you like different options to choose from. Yeah, there's, there's a, I think Adobe did it. No, Microsoft did a tool. I forget what it was called, but they launched it. I can send you the video on it. It's, it's very fascinating. Same type of thing. You just type in what you're looking for and it'll just start whipping up things that look like that. And once again, that's going to put um, a lot of people out of business. But when the world evolves, that, that's what happens is, is, you know, when we move from tractors or from, from manually farming to tractors, like yeah. lots of, of people went out of business, but it made the world more efficient. and then those people found new jobs and like it, it's just actually how the world evolves is not new but i do have an interesting personal development thing that i'm doing and i'm excited to plug ai into it so i can share it yeah so i do this thing now i started this at the beginning of the year so every single day i rate my life um, on a scale of one to ten and how i feel about my life my health and my work so five being neutral seven being pretty good three being pretty bad and everything in between so I'll rate it and then I'll put a note beside it that just kind of anything I want to write as to why I did those ratings. So I've been doing that since the beginning of the year. About a month ago, I bought an aura ring. 
And so nice. when I sleep, yeah, I put the aura ring on it. It tracks all my biometrics. Yeah. Um, and then I tag it with, with different things so that there's context to, to the biometrics. And then I also just got um, a hydrate spark. Love it. So this bottle basically tracks my water intake. And so what I'm essentially doing is triangulating these three things. And I'm going to have chat GPT synthesize all the data and tell me what's going on. So essentially at my first sheet where I'm manually putting in how I feel on a, on a quantitative scale and then qualitatively writing out why. Um, and then I'm going to have my aura ring upload to a second sheet. And then I'm going to have my hydrate spark upload to a third sheet. So I have my water intake, my sleep biometrics, and then how I feel and why I feel. Um, and then I'm basically going to plug all three into chat GPT and say, Hey, triangulate these three things and tell me like, if I'm sleeping this way, that way, if I'm drinking this way, that way, if I'm feeling this way, that way, like what are the correlations? And then I'm going to have it send me a report, you know, weekly, monthly, quarterly. Um, and then even tell it to then create object objectives that I should try to hit to improve my life. And so this is one way that I'm cool. using AI to actually just, <laughs> you know, tell me how to improve my life based on all the data inputs that I give it. And it's all automated except for the two minutes I take to like write how I feel every day, which is like kind of like journaling almost. That that little analog piece of it is very valuable. I think it's more valuable than you could ever imagine. Just like even putting pen to paper, I'm not a journaler myself, but I am a note taker. So I jot. Mm -hmm. So I don't sit and journal and think about my <laughs> thoughts, but I jot my thoughts. And I think it's super important to do that. Okay. So let's just for a brief second, talk about the negatives of AI. Like, do you, I don't know. I don't know if you like listen to Lex Friedman and, <laughs> and some of those guys, it's just like, and like Joe Rogan, they like talk so casually about the potential doom of AI, like the Terminator yeah. side of it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, it's, it's it's funny. You've asked a lot of questions that are just so big. <laughs> yeah, that like, I, I guess once so. again, to be like extremely opinionated, I'm just like, you kind of must like be delusional to a certain extent to think you understand something this big. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I there's definitely going to be negatives. Um, there's definitely going to be positives and in my opinion, the way I see it is like, it's up to the people that we elect to, you know, make these laws and these decisions mm -hmm. to say, you know what, this is where AI stops. You're not allowed to use it for these purposes um, because it's harming in this way. And and then the police enforce it. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those things like I don't think about because I think thinking about negatives keeps into your conscious yeah. and your subconscious. And then you become a negative person. You become a dwelling person. I saw a lot of people during COVID when they were locked up, just staring at the news, become extremely upset, become extremely negative because they would just be consumed by that perspective. Um, and I saw a lot of people that were like, I don't watch the news during COVID and I go for walks and they were in positive states. So I just understand like choosing what to focus on actually seeps into who you are and your whole essence. And so for me, um, I really don't try to focus on the negative and I just understand like it's going to be what it's going to be. I feel like there's been many evolutions in the world where people were extremely terrified about what was happening yeah. um, and it always seems to work out. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I just don't want to give an opinion on something I, I truly don't even understand. 
Well, that's actually an opinion in itself, to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I have to agree with you because I don't understand it either. And that's one thing yeah. that's super profound that like leaders of the world, and I would consider you to be a marketing leader, understand that we don't know what we don't know. And we can sit with that and still feel whole and complete and, and positive and moving forward in our life. Whereas like so often the idea of not knowing feels like a threat I, I always say like the no opinion is one of my favorites. Like when somebody says like, honestly, I don't have an opinion on that. What does that do? Everything else they say, I trust because I know if they don't have an opinion, they're going to express it. They're not going to try to make up some shit. Like even if you're on stage, like I think that is massive. Like if someone asks a question and you're on stage, being able to say like, I actually don't know. And yeah. let me, you know, spend 48 hours on it, uh, take my email and I'm going to answer that for you in 48 hours. I'll make a piece of content. Everyone here can watch it, but yeah. I don't know. And all that does is build trust. And so for me, yeah, I never want to say something that I don't believe in. And so, yeah, I just think big questions are big questions. Like you, it's yeah. hard to be like solid on it. And in my opinion, if someone is a hundred percent, like, no, this is the answer. This is it. I look at that person as, as uneducated and delusional yeah no i hear you i hear you okay the last thing i want to ask you about you were at vcon you've met gary v you had him on uh, oh no wait it was jacob Jacob kelly that had him yes and you guys are friends and you were like standing right with gary v like how cool is that he's (laughs) i really like that guy i i yeah how was that tell us about it yeah it was really funny because we went to vcon last year and i was with a crew of maybe like nine of us yeah. And I think three of us ended up meeting him. Like no one waited in line to meet him or anything. It was just, you know, serendipity. Three of us met him as we were walking around and um, I didn't meet him. But this year, um, and, and truthfully, I'm not that type of person. Like I don't feel the need to go up and meet people that have influenced me and talk to them and stuff. I feel like we'll meet when we meet. Yeah. Um, but what happened is we flew out of Toronto and it, it was in Indianapolis. So I feel like there's like one flight a day, like from Toronto to Indianapolis. <laughs> so every single person going to VCon was on this flight. It was like a VCon private jet, it felt like. And so um, we're <laughs> so at the cool. airport and we start meeting all these people. And um, the person who runs the V Friends Canada like group was yeah. on our flight. And a lot of, he knew kind of everyone. And so he goes, hey, by the way, we're doing a meetup in the park tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Um, all the Canadian V friend people and no one knows, but Gary's supposed to pull up for like 15 minutes. Nice. And, and it was literally next to our hotel. So I was like, no way. Like that's wild. And so we, uh, we woke up early on the Thursday and went to the park and nine fifty nine black escalator rolls up bunch of people filmer all this stuff and, and gary pulls up for like 15 minutes and just talks to like the v friend canadian people there's probably like 80 of us and it was wild because i've been to vcon before but some of the people i w- was with hadn't and i was just like you'll see like tomorrow when the conference a- so this is fun because it, it was before the conference even started right conference started like that evening and so like we were hanging out with Gary like before the conference and we're in the city and like there's thousands of people here for like this man's, it's not like a brand's conference, like it's, it's a human's it's conference. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's just like kicking it with us in the park, like 80 of us. And then he's literally like going on MSNBC next and like Fox next and like he had to run <laughs> to like do a whole media thing. And so 
it was just very, very cool. But it, I was telling the people I was with, I was like, the cool part is you'll see tomorrow. Like we're in a, we're in an NFL stadium with 200, like uh, amazing speakers. And this guy's the star of the show. You can't get near, like, you can't get near him because he's flooded wherever he goes with people. And like the fact he's just like hanging out with us in a park right now is like, is insane. So it was really fun. And, and it was kind of like one of those things where the first thing we did when we got there is happened to meet him. And so then it was kind of like, okay, that's checked off. And now, you know, no matter what happens this week, it's already like a, a great, uh, a great experience. But you kind of like manifest these things. I would say watching you <laughs> saying what you say, where like, there are people that are like, like you've been saying this the whole time, how you look at the positive side and you, and you invite these opportunities in your, you see the opportunity, like someone told you and you took the opportunity, you saw yeah. it and you did yeah. it. Like how, there's mm. so many times where entrepreneurs, especially get opportunities everywhere. I'm like a, mm. if you, if you, if you uh, follow human design, I'm a projector and I have okay. a four and a six in my human design, which, which one of my traits is to see opportunity. I see it all the time. Mm. I'm always like, why didn't you do that? What, <laughs> like, why didn't you go And there? I don't know. I don't, like they, people don't see opportunity in the same way, but I think that you do and you take mm. it. And it's one mm. of the reasons why I think you, I don't want to say escalate so quickly or you're, you are where you are, but it is like, mm. it is because seeing opportunity and then taking it is it's kind of like exhilarating. It's kind of mm. scary. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. right. And yeah, but you do it anyways. I think I have a really like deep connection with time. Mm. And I think I have a really deep connection with the, the understanding of what older age looks like and regret will feel like. Mm. And can you tell me so about that think, a little bit? Yeah. I think a lot of people, there's a reason the midlife crisis is a brand. And I think it's because, because most people, that's where the average person realizes like they're not going to be here forever and they're not doing what they want to do. I think I've had that perspective my whole life. And that's why, you know, I was, I was mm. running paid ads for the Red Blacks when I was 22. Like I, I didn't waste time. I went right for it and, you know, started my own company at like 23, 24, maybe, I don't know, but like yeah. right away, like before I even graduated. And so, and the reason I could do that so easily is because I always knew I would rather fail than wonder. And so it, there was no, there was no need to wait to make a decision. Like, it's like, okay, cool. Like if I fail, I'm like pumped. Cause I, I went for it. Like failure is okay. Wondering what if is not. And so I think for me, I just take winning and failing like out of the worry. And it's like, I just don't want to ever wonder what if I'd rather fail. And you know, it's really not that deep. Like everyone figures it out. You know, you, you go to high school with everyone and you'll be like, wow, like becoming an adult and buying a house and all this stuff is great. But everyone figures it out. Everyone does it. It's not hard. Like it all, it all happens. And so I just understand like things aren't that deep. Like for instance, um, I'm, I'm in Toronto now, but I'm, I'm moving to Toronto next month. I made that decision within five minutes. Like it, it was just like, whatever, like if I don't like it, I'll just move back like the next mm -hmm. month. Like it's, and, and I think people would sit on that decision for years. And it's like, wow, you just missed years. And you know what? Next year you make it sick and maybe you'll get in a car crash three years later and it's just, it's over then. And you thought you had all this time, but like, and so I think for me, I have a really close relationship and understanding of time and I am not scared. I, I'm happy to fail almost. Like I, I don't even care. I just never want to regret.
It's so, such a powerful message. I tend to lean with you on that, especially because there's so much stigma around failure and so much defined bullshit around it. Cause really all it is, is like knowledge. You're, you're creating your mastery of your life. You're learning what not to do. You're learning like how maybe to approach things differently the next time. And so instead of saying like, oh, I suck, I failed, wah, wah, which is <laughs> kind of like the world right now. I don't want to say everybody, but a vast majority of people right now are like really falling into that victim mindset and staying there. It's okay. If, you, if you're a victim for a second, it's okay. Don't like, it's part of being a human. It's part of our chemistry, of our, of our brain development of, of who we are. It's fine. And take a deep freaking breath and learn to shift that zoom out and and see that what just happened is actually valuable mm. but failure has value for you yeah. for your future 100 I, I think like do you know sarah blakely yes founder of Spanx. i think yes 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 yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so she told she tells this great story of like and and it's one of the reasons she said she's successful is like her parents would never applaud the result. They would just applaud the effort. Mm. And so it wouldn't be like, Hey, I know you tried out for cheerleading today. Did you make the team? That was not the question is, did you try your best? Right. Oh my God. I'm so proud of you for trying your best way to go out there and give it your all. Like it's not, Oh, you made the team. Great. Oh, you didn't make the team. Oh, I'm sorry. Like that's not even in the question. It's like, did you go for it? Yes. And I think if people start focusing on the internal, AKA what they can control, AKA going for it and not what happens, the external, what they can control. And the reason you can't control it is because there's a lot of factors that go into success. Like if, if, if you gave it your best at the cheerleading tryout, but the coach or whatever, the person, the decision maker was just not looking your way. Like you're not going to make the team. And like, you can't control where their eye is like, and so it's, it's very dangerous to then hold how you feel about yourself on that pedestal when you can't control the result, all you can control is the effort. And so once again, that's why I'm okay to win or fail, because I'm just going to try my best. And I would rather not regret it. And I think that's where you have to stay is like what you can control and applaud it. It's funny. I was, I was talking to uh, my business partner on modern marketing and he comes from a sales background. And so he was very focused on booked calls. How many book calls can we get? And he was like trying to get as many booked calls as possible. And there was a lot of people that were unqualified on those calls and it was getting to him. He was like, I can't sell them. Like, am I losing it? Like all this different stuff. And yeah. I was like, no, the problem is your metric needs to be qualified booked calls, right? You can't, you can't be focused on that because even though it feels better to get 300 calls instead of 30, um, when you're when you're losing every single person, what's that doing to you, right? That's crushing you. And so I think people really need to align with, with what truly matters and focus on what they can control and just applaud that. And that's not what we're taught, right? We're taught end result. Where do you want to oh, yeah. be in five years? Not okay. how do you feel today? Like that's why I started rating my life on a scale of one to 10 because I understand that I could be doing everything right. I could be going to the gym five days a week. I could be eating the healthiest meals. I could be this. I could be doing that. Da, 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 da. But like, if if I then ask myself, like, how do you feel? The answer might be exhausted, overwhelmed, like 
I need a fucking cheeseburger and I'll watch a movie. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so it, it's not about, it's not about the almost like facts. It's about how do you feel? I always tell my partner, I'm like, I'm like, it's okay to know you're loved, but it's important to feel you're loved. Right. I can tell you, I love you a million times, but if you don't tell me back, like I feel it, like that's the problem. Right. right. So how you feel is much more important than like, are you doing what, you know, is healthy and did it? It's like, how do you feel about it though? So that's why I rate how I feel. I love that. It's interesting. So in my practice, I, in my morning meditation, I do something really similar. I rate my, my energy on a scale, mm. scale of one to 10. So, yeah. so if I wake up and I'm a five, I know that doing my best for that day is going to look differently than mm-hmm. a 10. On the 10 out of 10 days, like I can get so much shit done and I'm just flying high vibing, but on like the two or the three. So I, I really check in with myself and set the standard for how to show up as my best self. It's a really Mm. interesting little thing. I've been doing it for years and uh, it's, so it's kind of similar to what you're doing. It, 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 it's, it's similar, but it's extremely helpful because you finish the day and you like, you feel good. You did your best. And if your best looks like a three out of 10, congrats. <laughs> you how, is, how has doing that, finding those insights, how have you then applied that back and made changes in your life? Um, it's mostly in my confidence, in my mm-hmm. thinking about like having guilt or worry about my day because mm-hmm. I've And honestly, like when I started doing this, I think I started doing this when I was still coaching skiing. Uh, So I'm going to say six years ago, but it wasn't super consistent. It wasn't until like maybe like just before COVID, the year before. So Mm -hmm. like probably 2019, I started doing it every day. And I was way more detailed in sort of like where I sat with that. And And I took it really seriously because I wanted to reprogram the way I thought about productivity and about my life and what I do in a day. And I, I always saw the swing and I understand the pendulum swing of life. Sometimes it's going to be high. Sometimes it's going to be low. So I wanted to sort of just like understand that more. Now I wake up and in meditation, I like can sit with a number. It's kind of now, I also have done colors like uh, with it too. And, and just, sort of how to show up as my best self without the pressure and the stress and the cortisol hits and the constant like anxiety, the depression. It That's how it's really sustained me over time. It didn't happen overnight, but like mm-hmm. doing this for about a year, well, not even a year, probably like three months even, I started mm-hmm. to notice that I put way less pressure on myself. I was way more organized. I felt no guilt not getting my to-do list done. So I, I typically do it. I I'm a to-do lister. Are you a to-do lister? You are. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I have my checklist and I try and do it at, at night or at the end of the day. So I add stuff for the next day. So yeah. that, and that has also been like a small little entrepreneurial tool that has really helped me with my mental health because whatever I don't finish, I just add it to the next day and, and mm. do that. And, and then I wake up, check in, how much of this can I get done? Like what is what can I do? And then it's, it's now just a seamless flow. Mm, I love it. Yeah. I'm going to send you a podcast after this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a it's about a lot of this stuff and 
it's uh the person that does the podcast um i've listened to, like all their stuff and it's yeah. it's very profound and it's almost like you know evolution two three four of like what we're both doing right now it's and it's really cool to see how um it can impact one's life so i love that that you're on your own journey and creating a system that works for you and mm-hmm. i encourage anyone to really find a quantitative way to measure things with qualitative notes supporting it so that you can understand like quickly on a quick scan or just a you know selecting a column in an excel spreadsheet like okay what days was i high what days was i low in this category and like what are the consistencies and what you'll find is like without doing this exercise you'll always feel like there's just so much that needs to be done um it just is overwhelming but what you do when you see it on paper over a couple months of tracking is it's really three four five things that happen constantly for instance, like if you just get bad sleep, yeah. like that could be the reason you feel low in a health category every single time you feel low. And it's like, oh, shoot, like I actually just need to get like an hour and a half more of sleep and I'll never feel bad health wise. I'll maybe feel neutral or great. And so it becomes very clear, very easy to, to improve your life. It really is. My aura ring has substantially, I've been, I've had it for a year and a half. I love it. The sleep metric. I'm like a sleep person. I li- I wake up and focus on sleep. I wake up and I'm like <laughs> ready that. to go back to bed. Like how do I make it so that my sleep can be even better? And yeah. the aura ring definitely helps. I like highly recommend. I do. I think tracking, I have like a, re- a love hate relationship with tracking when it comes to like marketing and with life stuff with all of the things that we track because there's so many and it can get you like in a obsessed mindset and I think if you just can like step away from it like use it as a tool and not an end-all be-all that's one of the things I really yeah so it's like yes track even like with diets like I am not a supporter of like tracking your calories however if you are disconnected from that, doing it for a short period of time to build your awareness. Boom. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and, and once again, like going back to like my understanding of time, like I think for me, mm-hmm. I'm able to be patient. Like I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to track all this data. And I really think like my sleep will be improved by the, by a year from the day I started tracking oh, yeah. and my whole life will really be improved when I, with everything tracking in about five years is like literally how I see it. And I think a lot of people, the reason they get so fixated on data is because they like want it all to happen right now. And they're like obsessed and they think like they need to like go so hard right now where I'm like, okay, like I have all this data. I actually see, I have 15 problems, but I'm just going to focus on problem one for the next three months. Yeah. And like, I'm okay with, with easing into things like that. And so I think once again, like that's almost a relationship with time in the reverse, being very patient versus like being very urgent in the other example I gave. And so I think like, I just encourage people to just really take their time when they're trying to improve themselves. I think uh, once again, like I tell my business partner all the time, like a lot of the things that you think is good actually hurt the organization. So if you're, you know, you think it's like, okay, let's, let's get this fixed fast. Let's, let's be better and live more life. Well, you actually end up overwhelming yourself and burning yourself out. And if you don't hit it, you get frustrated. And then you actually implode on yourself because of the, what you thought was right. But when you play chess, you realize, no, 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 it's actually healthier to be kind to myself and not to overdo it and not to overthink it and to allow myself to fail my way to success. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so yeah. important. I love that so much. Oh, Hayden, looking at the time. Thank you so <laughs> much. Where can people find you? Work with you, get more insights. Tell us. Yeah, the best place is Hayden.cashin uh, at on Instagram. Okay. Um, or Hayden at cashinmarketing.com is the email. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Amazing. Or follow you on TikTok. You have like a hundred thousand, <laughs> 125,000 followers. You did that challenge. That was so fun to watch you grow. And that was hilarious. Right? <laughs> it was awesome. Like, <laughs> and that's the thing too. Like you really put yourself out there and you did mm. like, I'll, you tell said- you, I'll tell you the key though. I'll tell you the key. I, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, here's no. like a really interesting piece of advice for people. Remember I told you like focus on the effort, not the results. Yes. Right. Well, that sounds pretty results driven. A hundred thousand followers in 30 days. Right. Yeah. But my inner circle knew like my whole thing was like, whether I do it or I don't, it's gold. I actually hope I don't. It's even better because what happens is then once again, positive perspective. I'm like, if I don't hit it in, in 30 days, well, now I actually am. I know I won't stop till I get there. And now I have a storyline of determination, of hard work, of like, keep going when you fail. And yeah. what's that going to do? A, I hit it. So people are going to be like, wow, that's amazing. B, I'm now going to get to inspire you to keep pushing through. And so I'm like, whether I hit it, which is just great, or if I don't, now I have an amazing story to inspire others. And so no matter what happened, I was winning. And it was because I was focused on the internal effort. I knew I would get there. And the yes. 30 days didn't even matter it actually would be better to storytell it back if I quote unquote failed to show you can rise through. And so it's all perspective. It's all perspective. Amazing. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us today. Um, I'll have all your links to everything in the show notes and can't wait to see what you get up to next. Thank you so much, Lisa. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it. Okay. I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa and filter podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.